E-Man. That was an interesting game to watch. I blame you. It's all it's your fault, dude. This I, is not my fault. I this wish you would just fault. not said, send I, late tweets about no, the game I, when the Lakers are in a close one. I sent a tweet about DeMar DeRozan. Did DeMar DeRozan hit the game winner? No. Did I delete the tweet after LeBron missed those free throws to make sure that I did not get ratioed if DeMar DeRozan <laughs> hit a game winner? Yes, I did do that. I learned my lesson. I checked the tape from last year. I, I saw my mistakes. And I fixed it. That's called reading the game film and adjusting. Maybe, maybe the Lakers can do that same thing. So the Lakers lose a a soul. Like I'm, I'm not willing. Usually, it's like what, what are we in the third part, part, third game of the season? I usually don't go so far as to say soul crushing third defeat but this is about as effing close as you're gonna come this was awful (laughs) this is such this was dodgers-esque this was like this was like your parents saying that there wasn't going to be christmas and then you waking up on christmas morning there were christmas presents and then you opened them up and it was like socks and rusty nails yeah no no no. it it, it was like them saying going from because it looked like the lakers were going to lose so they go it would be going from like there is no christmas this year well that sucks to not only is there Christmas this year, but we're also celebrating all of the holidays during the holiday season. And you get all the gifts for that uh, holiday season. And then you find out that those gifts are, are nails and – and, and oh, Did you, just ta- you just literally just repeated my analogy. No, you you made it you, – Okay, I, yeah, I I made you made it, it a little more extreme. You made it a little bit more – yeah, okay. I, you, were, you were just <laughs> laughing. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's my birthday today, <laughs> so so of course I'm getting added from Cavs fans. Happy oh, is birthday. it your birthday? Happy birthday! It is my it's my birthday in 20 minutes or no, an hour oh. and 20 minutes. But, okay, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say I thought your birthday was Saturday. But, yeah, by but... the time you guys are listening to this, it'll be my birthday. So thanks, freaking LeBron, for missing two. Hey, at least you didn't do it on your birthday. Yeah, well, yeah. What if he like came back tomorrow and he was like, actually, we forfeit that game? When 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 LeBron fans ask like, how can you still say that Kobe is better all these years later? Oh no, no, I'm You're kidding. Not <laughs> I was gonna say stop. I guess we should talk about the actual the way today's show is gonna work. We're gonna talk about this game for a little bit, and then we had a really fun conversation with Jared Greenberg of NBA TV. That'll be the second half of the show, and then we'll come back and we'll wrap up and we'll look ahead to the rest of of this Lakers week. Uh, but we'll start here, like I said, though, with the game. And uh, look, I, I have been, I, and I, this is probably going to be something that I, I'll harp on for the rest of the year. So get ready. This is going to be like my Tyler Ennis thing. This year is is the Lakers center situation is so bad that a two way guy comes in and it looks like Wilt effing Chamberlain out there compared to okay, he didn't look like Wilt Chamberlain he compa- looked really com- good compared to Zubats he looked like Clint Capella he, okay. <laughs> 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 like imagine just you know and and look you and I have gone back and forth about the Julius Randle thing it was never going to happen but but this is why you, I I harp on so badly the opportunity that they missed by not having him or Brooke Lopez on the team because they hated being Lakers so much by the time the by the time their tenure ended ended tenure ended yes well so i mean i don't want to relitigate that again people can listen to the episode of locked on lakers from today if they want to hear anthony talk about randall for the 974 time iTunes, but no. <laughs> I, I think i i think what we can talk about is that outside of those guys even in not getting anyone else that yeah. is like a flaw Get, not getting some seven footer that can kind of like chew gum and move at the same time yep. like like williams can like williams was really really good tonight he and was. that's uh, you know that's kind of an awesome story he may end up if he keeps playing like this he's not going to be a two-way player for very long he's going to be they might have no choice here <laughs> well they have a they have 30 they have uh they have 35 days of jonathan williams <laughs> being on their nba roster to figure out whether or not they want to make him a full-time player and i have a feeling they'd use all of that but because there's no reason not to but, you know, he looked really good tonight, but you're right. It's stark how bad this center rotation looks right now or until he started going off. And if you're relying on a two-way player going off or JaVale McGee staying healthy or both. Or staying then, out of foul and, trouble. And you're like, still losing. Yeah. Like, 
that's you're you might be in for maybe a tougher season than you think. And I don't want to again, I don't want to put the rusty nails that you got under the Christmas tree under like in the coffin right now. <laughs> but, you know, as people say, uh, I that was a nice callback reference, right? There you go. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So I don't want to put the nail in the coffin. They're 0 and 3 and they're playing the Suns on Thursday. So they're going to be 1 and 3. But I just. You know, like this is this is not going as seamlessly as people thought it was going to. Well, and all right, I want to I, I want to address that though because anybody okay, who had was going to go seamlessly, but they thought they were going to get one win in the first three games. I I didn't. Like why why would we think you that? really thought they were going to start zero and three? Why would we think anything other than that? They went Anthony, in. They played. They played in on Twitter all night. Huh? I assume I assume that you've been crying on Twitter the entire first three games. I assumed that hey, you thought. Hey, look, man, oh, we can't all delete our old tweets like cowards. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but let's think about let's think about like anybody who was now just now looking at the schedule and be like, wow, this is a tough schedule. Like they, where were you weeks ago when the schedule came out? They played in Portland, where they have historically struggled. They played against the Houston team that, again, I don't think is as good as they were last year, but they were a Western Conference Finals team that, had they not gone over 27, probably would have, would have won the NBA championship last year. And then, and then their third game is against the San Antonio Spurs team that, again, isn't as good as they were last year. But, but they shot 900% from the field in the first quarter. And, and, then, and according to Luke Walton, shot 900 free throws. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he's not wrong on that part. He's not. He's not. He, he, made, he made some legitimate cases there. But, but I don't know. Like, I expected one in four. I was hoping to be 500 at the end of the first 10, 12, 20 games or so. It, it, it's, just, it's a tough opening schedule. And, and the way that the Lakers are trying to play is, is a – is a style that requires a lot of carryover from year to year. And the Lakers just don't have that. So you combine, you combine that with maybe the most glaring flaw of all playoff teams in, in the Lakers center rotation here. And yeah, I mean, they're, they're not, they're, they're not a good team right now. I don't think. And, and we'll see how long it takes for them to get better. Uh, I want to talk about the, effort that we saw from Kyle Kuzma and what what we saw from Kyle Kuzma he finishes the game with what 37 points eight boards and and did that on I believe it was 25 shot attempts total he was really really good and I I kind of I want to ask you Harrison if you think that had something to do with him being moved into the starting lineup not not just playing with starters but playing his more natural four spot position I think absolutely it had something to do with it. I don't think that – and you're not saying this, but I don't think that he's going to score 37 points every single time <laughs> he plays power forward the majority of the time. But, yeah, I mean I, I think that in this case correlation probably does equal causation. He wasn't having to guard centers all game, and so it wasn't sapping his legs. And then he was able to come out there and have some success and not get lit, not feel like he was getting lit up defensively, which probably has to do something for your mindset, and then go down there on the other end, and he was able to score like crazy. And that was the kind Kyle Kuzma that we saw during his rookie year for the most part. Like, yes, he scored more than he did most nights his rookie year, but that was the confident shooting, like not really. I mean, he had a couple shots where he or he had a couple possessions where he kind of jacked the offense, but he's just going to do that. That's the type of player he is. But for the most part, I thought he kind of stayed within himself, whereas I felt like he's forced things a little bit more the first two games. Mm -hmm. And so I think you just saw him in a role that he's very comfortable in and you know, it's tough because you can't start him at power forward once Brandon Ingram comes back. Comes back because Question, you're gonna why have not? To, well, you're going to have to move LeBron back there. Well, you could what, – what's stopping Luke from moving Ingram out of this? Not based on one game, but I, 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 my question to you is what would we have to see? Like if Kuzma scores – Are you back on the Brandon Ingram hasn't shown an NBA skill no, training? No, no, it, I, it only it's, a fit, three it's, games? it's a, it's okay. a fit thing. It's not a, it's not a talent okay. thing. It's a fit thing. But what would you have like if Kuzma, let's say, again, not I don't think this is a realistic scenario here, but if Kuzma scores thirty points in the four games, in all of the four games that, that Brandon Ingram misses, like that 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 wouldn't be nothing, right? Well, would, if he scores thirty points in all four games that Brandon Ingram misses, Brandon Ingram's coming off the bench when he comes I, back. Right. Like that's just that's what's gonna happen. But I, I I will wait until for him to do that before. Well, I guess my, and, you know, I'm my not question is like how, how low does that have to drop before you start thinking about it? 
I think it's going to be less about individual production and more about the team's record. That's just kind of how Luke seems to roll. And so I think if they win the next three games with these starters, then I think that maybe that is his thing to cue to say some of these guys go to the bench. But again, I just have a hard time given everything that everyone in that organization has said about Ingram. I could see a strong stretch sending Rondo to the bench more permanently. But I think I think Ingram, they're going to give him the chance to come back in and kind of like hold his starting spot again because I also think that it's more important to the future that he gets used to playing with LeBron or that they figure out can he play with LeBron and can he be effective playing with LeBron this is the year when you try things because they aren't going to win a title this year 0-3 start aside they were never going to win the title this year (laughs) and so I I just think this is the year this is the year where that LeBron is basically giving you to this is when you experiment and you figure out which one of these with these kids can fit around him. And then you go get the star next summer and you keep whatever kids do fit around him and you potentially use the other ones as trade assets. And like, I think that's just kind of how this is going to go. And I think that they need to figure out if Ingram can fit with LeBron. And I'm I, I think he can. I'm not as bullish on multi-time all-star as I think a lot of Lakers fans and the way that people talk about him seem to be. But I think that Ingram's a very good player or could be a very good player. And I think that he deserves a chance to really lose that starting spot. Speaking of trying to punch PJ Tucker and missing. Speaking of losing starting spots, did you ever watch the second, like the newest longest yard? Yeah. Yeah. Remember that scene where like Michael Irvin and and all the other black guys in in the in the yard come back and they start playing and and they're just incredible. Michael Irvin's out there running people over. Nelly is doing incredible things on the football field. And then they they pan over to I forget which character the guy's name was. I I'll, Jen would shoot me for this, but he's like crying. He's like, "What's wrong, dude?" And he goes, "Now I'll never get to play." <laughs> and like <laughs> and that's KCP. Like that, we've seen enough here. Oh, God, <laughs> that, you we, had to go with the prison analogy for this one, didn't oh, you? Oh my God! Uh, oh no! <laughs> you know, yeah, it's been it's been a rough three games for KCP. I, I think anyone who saw his Instagram story yesterday knows that he's been going. He's been a uh, well, not tweeting through it, but Instagramming through it a little uh-huh. bit. And you know, this is uh, it, it's. It's been rough to watch, and he's not been good on defense. There was a possession tonight, I remember, I saw it going around on Twitter, where he was supposed to be guarding the corner shooter, the shooter in the corner, and then he kind of made half of a rotation towards the basket, like he was going to cut off the guy, but not far enough to cut off the driver. And <laughs> then the driver it. passed it to his guy who had already moved to the wing, mm-hmm. and KCP wasn't near him either. <laughs> and so he was just literally chilling in no man's land. I don't know, maybe he was thinking about like you know his favorite movies like you are and he just ended up he he was nowhere uh, to be found and that's been too much and hard i think i think the whole heart is a better perimeter defender than kcp is a little bit overblown i think when kcp for whatever reason he hasn't been in it over these last couple games and like this is this is really a time of the year when he should be engaged, but when he when he is engaged in playing well, he is a better perimeter defender than Hart. But right now, Hart has been so much better at literally everything else yeah. that I just you, you got to get him into the starting lineup, like or, or it, play it, more minutes. Like it was to a it's two not to even one like ratio. He legitimately beat him out in training camp, and it was like clear cut that he had beat him out. No, it was clear so, in preseason that Hart, Hart was a better, better guy, and. I mean, I think I saw what they were going for, but at this point, you got to just throw hard out there. Like, it's just, he, he's too good not to. I completely agree. And and what it comes down to for me is, is the Western Conference is going to be too insane this year to just keep, and 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 if if it doesn't happen quickly, a lot of it will have to do with the clutch thing. I cannot, I cannot overstate all right, we're going to cut off Conspiracy Corner Anthony. Uh, well, just, I, oh, technical difficulties. Uh, politics matter, man. They play a role in all this stuff. And and KCP being a clutch client is going to have some sway here. Uh, and, and this is one of the things that I said throughout the preseason and, and training camp and all of that is, is the guys who LeBron trusts right now. Right now it's KCP. Right now it's, it's Rajon Rondo. It's JaVale McGee. Maybe to a lesser extent, uh, Michael Beasley, like those guys, in order to get playing time from them, you're going to have to go above and beyond to the nth degree 
to to get minutes from those guys or or increased roles from those guys. To this 100% point, percent agreed. And Hart has done that. To this point, Hart has absolutely done that. And so you got to reward the guy. That that's just, otherwise. Why would you? Why would anybody try hard? <laughs> like why would those? Is eventually there's wait. There's nothing I can do here. Okay, fine. And then they shut down and and they go to New Orleans without ever considering a, uh, a, a any kind of role with the Lakers moving forward. I'm not in my feelings. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about from this game? No, I'm I'm good to never think about this game again. That was I. I number one, I want to apologize to you for you having to write the recap of that game. That was uh, see. <laughs> that was rough to live edit as we were trying to figure out what needed to be moved around and what needed to be deleted and reformatted. And there was an entirely new player that yeah. just randomly showed up. Yeah, just randomly in the fourth quarter, all of a sudden, Jonathan Williams is like player of the game, and we have to reformat around him. But yeah. Uh, that was uh, that was, you know, that was a crazy game. And, you know, I think obviously Lakers fans are probably wishing right now that they would have won. But I, I mean, at least the season's entertaining while well, you get kicked in the balls. I don't know. <laughs> I, that I, was that was going to spin into a silver lining. And then I was like, there really isn't one. I, here. Ha- I have a silver lining. I have a okay. silver lining. Look, like I said, playing in Portland, playing Houston, playing San Antonio and being in all of those games late. Given everything that is going on around the Lakers, like they aren't getting blown out. Maybe it would feel better to get blown out than to have lost the way that the Lakers lost their last game. But for right now, the fact that they are in these games and they are competing against teams that are either better or have been together longer or were on the road in the case of, of Portland as well, like those things matter, right? And and the fact that the Lakers are competing and and are putting themselves in situations given the the ill advised center rotation that Magic Johnson and Rob Polinka put together like they they there are ways i think for there are very obvious ways for the lakers to improve and and that's something that that they're going to have to figure out moving forward and and it'll be nice when they're able to do that when they aren't playing against playoff teams on a nightly basis we're going to uh, take a quick second and throw over to the conversation that we had with Jared Greenberg. He is of NBA TV. He is of Sirius NBA. Uh, it was a lot of fun. We went above and beyond in terms. He, he gave us. We, we should mention this was recorded before the game. So oh, if we yeah. sound. Well, I guess after they ended up losing, we don't sound significantly more down than you probably feel right now. But, you know, just for, you know, full disclosure, this was recorded before the game. Yep, absolutely. So enjoy that conversation, and then Harrison will come back and preview the rest of the week moving forward. All right, and we're joined now by by Jared Greenberg of NBA TV. He hosts 10 Before Tip, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 3.30 out here on the West Coast uh, weeknights. The NBA TV is also going to have the Lakers at Minnesota next Monday. Uh, Jared, thanks for joining us. Uh, you got it, guys. Appreciate you having me. It's a fun time of the year. It's it's been it's been an interesting year so far. So far, we have Jimmy Butler uh, fighting with his entire team and a yeah. analysis of spit. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's only possible in the NBA, and I love that it's happening so early in the year already. I mean, it just it makes you wonder how weird things are going to get this year, which I'm sure you know. If you guys are anything like me, you absolutely love it. Yeah, well, that's what I, that's kind of where I wanted to 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 go with this thing is the NBA just kind of leans into the weirdness, and I think it makes for a, a yeah. really entertaining league. How do you handle that though, as a host, where you have to you have to do these reads, <laughs> you have to give the news to yeah. people? It's like the NBA has fined Rajon or suspended Rajon Rondo <laughs> apparently an extra game for spitting on the the the, the, the president right. of the players' union. Right. Well, you know, I, I think what it is that what the NBA has, has always done a really good job of, and, and particularly since Adam Silver has taken over, is, is embracing what people are talking about. Right. And I think we've all learned sometimes you're sitting at home watching League Pass or you're watching a game on NBA TV or whatever. And, and it's almost hard to focus on the monitor to watch the actual game because there's so much happening on Twitter. Right. Or, or wherever else you're yeah. you know, having a conversation. If you're in a text chain with your, your buddies, you know, talking about the game that you're watching. Um, 
And, and what I think is so cool is that, listen, the game is still the priority. The game is still what drives everything. And I think the game is so great right now. You know, I'm sure we'll get into to that as well. But, like, the game itself is so great, but it's driving so many other conversations that I think the league, whether, whether it's a conscious decision or it's just like its media partners recognizing that, you know, people are, are watching these games and having conversations before, during, and especially after the games about what they saw or what happened on or off the court that why shouldn't we too, as the media outlet who's serving these viewers because they love the game as much as we do, why aren't we talking about the same thing that they're talking about? Why should we try and uh, derail the conversation and make it something about that people don't care about? You know, people want to hear more about what they're talking about. They want an opinion. You know, when I work with these former players and coaches, they, they want their opinion on things that the fans have an opinion on. So I think it's really cool that the, the league has kind of embraced that and recognized that the, 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 the social media conversation is often driving the conversation for the game, for a player, for a team. I, I think you're absolutely right. But the thing that I'm wondering is, like, a, as a host of, of these shows, like, are, are you ever have you do you ever have a hard time reading in these updates seriously? Like, you know, Rajon Rondo, we're going to talk yeah, about his too. spit trajectory, yeah. I guess. And, you know, like. This stuff, it's just bizarre. Like some of these stories, they're just crazy. Like, I, I don't know. I, I would not be able to keep a straight face as I was talking about well, some I of think, these things. But, but, but I think that's what it is, too. Like, you have fun with it. You know, yeah. I, I do a radio show, too, on, on Sirius XM NBA Radio with, with Brendan Haywood every day. And, you know, these different topics that you guys are alluding to, you know, from like last year, J.R. Smith throwing a can of soup <laughs> and getting suspended, right? Like, like how, how awesome is that? Like, I, I think... I think depending on the situation is, is depending on the player, the circumstance, what happens. And also, you know, too, how, how reliable some of these reports are, because we're not as fortunate as Spitgate with all these other stories where we have like visual evidence of it happening. Right. Like, yeah. you know, it, sometimes it's just a report. And sometimes I think not, not to it's not a disrespect for any certain reporter, but I think you have to take some of it with a grain of salt. Know where it's coming from. Ask yourself the question. What's the motive behind this story getting out there? But in the case of, like, you know, Rajan Rondo spitting, you know, Brendan and I on the radio just kind of, you know, to a certain extent, we had fun with it. But, but then it was a certain extent where Brendan kind of made us recognize, like, how serious this is. Like, you know, we can't – we've got a really long time without a really big fight in the NBA. And what's yeah. funny is, like, my, my fiancé and I, like, I, I make her watch – she never watched basketball before uh, her and I started dating. And, then, and, and we, we – now I, you know, force her to watch a lot of it. And she gets really upset when, like, these awful fights happen where guys are like, you know, they, they push somebody and then they look for somebody to hold them back and say, no, 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 hold me back, hold me back. You know what I mean? Like, there's no – and she goes, oh, these, these fights are weak, they're horrible. And then you watch Saturday night and you're like, okay, we can laugh about it a little bit. And it was pretty cool that Rondo had a pretty good, you know, left hook. But at the same time, like, we don't want the game to turn into that. Like, there was a period of time yeah. where this stuff in the league many, many years ago was happening – you know, on a weekly basis. Yep. And once in a while, it's fun to laugh at. And it's wild that it happened with, with teams that have such big stars. But ultimately, like, I think what was cool that we talked about with this is that this is not something we see all the time. And maybe it's not all that bad that we don't see these guys who don't know how to fight get into skirmishes, you know, in the NBA. Yeah, well, it's, I think it's a be I, careful what you wish for kind of thing. Because then, then, right, then, totally. then, then it happens like, well, okay, we don't, we don't actually want this. But I thought, I thought Adam Silver deserves a lot of credit and the league offices deserve a lot of credit for not overcorrecting this. This was more of an outlier, and the suspensions that came down yeah, but weren't... That's a, that's a dangerous thing, though. Yeah. I, I think, so listen, I'm, I'm not a fan of throwing out a whole bunch of suspensions, because ultimately, listen, the, the one thing that Adam Silver has done, and we've seen it in, in many different ways, many different applications of either rules or memos that have leaked out to ownership or whatever it may be, Ultimately, the league is built on superstars, right? Like David yeah, Stern started this in the 80s. Like th th that's why this league is thriving because fans identify with superstars and fans get attached to superstars. You don't want to have a lot of your games that don't feature that don't feature superstars because they were suspended, right? So the league doesn't want to hurt itself by suspending them. But at the same time, I'll say this, and I think it's a bit dangerous. When you have the incident that happened the other night and an actual punch was thrown and an actual punch was landed, mm -hmm. I think we may look back at some point down the road and say, oh, my goodness, some, uh, some guy, you know, only got four games or three games for throwing a punch. Like what Brandon Ingram did, think about all the different parts. And, and I don't know, you know, I was watching NBA TV. I was home Saturday night when it was happening. I was watching David Griffin, you know, the former general manager of the Cavs, talk about it. And he goes, 
the, the guy who may have gotten away with the most in all of this is Brandon Ingram. Now, ultimately, Absolutely. Ingram got suspended the most. But if, if the Rondo-Chris Paul skirmish doesn't happen, think about the, out, the, the backlash about the way Rondo got in the official space. As if or Ingram first did. he punched, he, he put, right, I'm sorry, Ingram. The way Ingram pushes uh, James Harden and then almost demonstrably gets into the referee's face, like, that is everything that the league doesn't want to happen. So Ingram, and then come, he gets separated by Lance Stevenson, which is an amazing storyline in itself. But Lance was like, had the coolest head of anybody. But then he comes back into the fray and is just start throwing all these haymakers, how dangerous that is. My point is, down the road, now you have a precedent set for a punch thrown and a punch landed is three or four games. And now down the road, we may be saying, is that enough? Like, if this starts to turn into something that happens more frequently, especially this year, are we going to say, somebody who throws and lands a direct punch to somebody's face or enters a fight and takes cheap shots because the other person doesn't see it coming, should they only be suspended for four games? Shouldn't that be more? Shouldn't that be closer to a 10-game suspension to prevent this from happening? Yeah. yeah I think hopefully Ingram we don't – hopefully this... like the, the hope here is that we don't have that. <laughs> like, that, that this conversation just goes away. But, yeah, that, that they definitely left themselves but, open But it, to you the... can't have it both ways. You, yeah. you can't have it both ways in that I, I don't want it to happen again and I'm cool with these pretty lenient suspensions. Yeah. Right. Like it, because if it does happen again, don't you have to look back at the lenient suspensions and say, oh, well, guys weren't taking this seriously. Like the suspensions didn't get guys attention that they can't do this. Well, for sure. But I think the NBA is also like if this stuff starts happening more often, they're going to set a harder line like and that may not be fair, but I think that they're going to crack down harder on it if it starts happening more often. But I think they probably I mean, honestly, I was surprised that Ingram did not get more games yeah, because we both because like sure. just objectively running back in there is just like it, it's worse than actually like the, Chris Paul and Rajon Rondo. You can understand where both of their gripes were and why it led to physical violence and whatever. They were right, right there on some level that's natural human reaction even if we don't like it and it's right. not something the league wants going on but like ingram running back in is worse because like that's actively reinserting yourself back into the melee and escalating and where'd that come from from him like he's the like the, one of the calmest coolest like soft-spoken guys i've ever encountered in the league and well, like so it's almost like did this unleash a side of him that now you know we've seen him in the preseason and at times you know show flashes of being like this brilliant basketball player where he's going to be but you almost wonder and maybe we're, I'm reading into it too much because all I've been doing is talking about a fight for the last couple of days. But, <laughs> but, but it's like, is it, does this unleash like the mean side of Brandon Ingram where it's like he's going to take, you know, taking no prisoners from now on, from here on out? <laughs> it's well, the quiet actually, ones like, you got to worry about. I think, right, I, yeah. think with, I think with Ingram, some people have misread his quietness as, for lack of a better term, him not being about that life. But I remember when he was a rookie and he weighed like maybe 97 pounds total, he like tried to take on the entire Bucks bench at that. one point. Like Brandon Ingram is like he's uh, that's always been in him. If he feels like he's disrespected or he feels like somebody is escalating things to physical violence. So do we now start calling him the quiet assassin? <laughs> I'm cool with it. <laughs> it's a pretty that's a pretty good uh, nickname. Let's actually talk about basketball. Like, I think. <laughs> oh, um, oh so, okay. <laughs> so I. Harrison was going to ask this earlier, but but at what point, like, are, are you? We finally get to talk about actual basketball on the court and stuff. Yeah. And and there has been some really fascinating developments. I mean, nobody would have seen Minnesota being not inept to start the season. They've looked okay. Is there any storyline from this season so far that you've that you've kind of looked at and been really surprised by? Well, you know. Let me go back to the off-court stuff to, to bring in the on-court stuff. And I think this is part of it. And, you know, I do an NBA TV show every night. I do a, a three-hour radio show every day. So, you know, 15 hours of, of radio. I, I think what we've kind of learned, it's almost like the LeBron effect, where, you know, every year since LeBron went to Miami, we have been in this moment several times throughout the course of the season where, like, we're watching basketball. We're seeing a team that's not very good. We're seeing a team that doesn't have the chemistry. And we're, we're like, oh, well, this guy – can't make it to the finals. This guy can't win a championship. You know, here's reasons why other teams in the Eastern Conference will be able to knock off LeBron. And then ultimately, and, and maybe we do that like with the Spurs too, right? Like every year, yep. oh, they're not going to win 50 games. Then finally last year, they don't win 50. But still, you know, they're going this year for 22 consecutive uh, playoff appearances to tie the all-time NBA record. And ultimately every year we're like, oh, we're wrong. Nope, they're going to be there. And, and it's like now we watch basketball and we overanalyze. And I can give you all the reasons in the world why I think the Lakers are in a terrible spot, why I think they had a joke of a summer, and why I think ultimately they're not going to be very patient. And whether it's some big superstar like Anthony Davis or, or some guy that, 
that is just maybe the right perfect complement for LeBron, who's not yet a household name, is going to be traded for, and that'll make all the difference in the world. But, you know, I think we get caught up in this thing where we're like, we don't want to do that. We don't want to three games in or two games in for the Lakers say, you know what, we were right, they don't have enough, because we know ultimately something will happen off the court by way of trade or injury or something that's going to change the dynamic, and LeBron ultimately will be there in the end whether you think he'll be a, uh, on a top-four team or whether you think he'll get to the Western Conference Finals or even stun us all and get to the NBA Finals, ultimately nothing is, is really bad enough right now for us to overanalyze what's going on in the court and be like, oh, told you, Rob Lincoln, Magic Johnson, we, we could have predicted this. you know, Because like, we, we know better. We've been trained that everything we think in the first couple months of the season is not always right. Yeah, we, we definitely see over the course of, I mean, the NBA season is like six months long. So all of these teams, you're going right. to see like three iterations of them. The, the thing with the Lakers that, that concerns me is the center rotation. But for the most part, I completely agree. And look, we're, we're looking at two games against former playoff teams. One that was that right. probably rightfully feels like they could have very, very easily been in the finals. Like the Lakers played two tough teams and were there close until late. Right. And so I, I don't think it's such a I don't think it's such a disaster that anything needs to be overcorrected right now. Right. I, I think, well, you know, for, for me, for, for me, you know, and, and this is more of a league wide thing, not necessarily just the Lakers. I, I think the one thing we can take from this is, is if I, I, you know, I would imagine you guys are on the same page on this. But tell me if you disagree that, you know, we feel the West probably three or at the very worst four through probably nine or ten in the West is again going to be separated by less than four or five games, yep. like, like it was last year. So I guess the one thing we, we kind of are looking at is, you know, when you look at a team like Oklahoma City, who starts winless at 0-3, and, and they're, they're, you know, some of the, like yesterday, you like, got to beat the Kings. You know, I don't care whether they have Russell Westbrook or whether it's the first game back, right? You got to win. I, I think what we want to apply to that is, okay, so now that's a loss in October or early November, and we're saying not a big deal, except for the fact that if we go back to the way we think this thing is going to play out, that may cost the Thunder the fourth spot. Or, heck, it may cost the Thunder a top eight spot because of one loss. Like, that stuff does matter. And that's what I think we overlook in the regular season when we say, oh, it's just one of 82, or games in, in, in October and November or parts of December don't even matter. Well, they do when the season and the, and the standings are separated by three games, four through nine in, in the Western Conference, right? Like, one game does matter. So that part of it we can. It's just the problem is you, you try and overanalyze it and tell people now why it's a big deal. And they go, well, but, you know, they got six months to pick, figure it out. And, and they do. You know what I mean? They, they absolutely do. Yeah, they do and they don't. And then I think the other thing, too, is like besides a move or besides some off court, like whether they make a signing or a trade, the other thing, too, here is or they figure out something better with their rotation to do about the backup center spot. The other thing, too, is that at some point, if things continue to struggle like this, LeBron is going to try and take over again. Like, I think it's kind of been it's been interesting to watch the last couple games. He's been used a lot more off the ball than we're used to seeing LeBron used off the ball. And like, that's how the Lakers want to play. That's how they think that they can be most dangerous is with multiple ball handlers and they've talked about that yeah. and getting out in transition and all that stuff but LeBron has been I don't want to say passive because then it sounds like you're the like oh he's not Michael Jordan he's not taking over in the fourth quarter guy but like I think LeBron at some point if they continue to struggle late in games is going to take on a more active ball handling role and look to score a little bit more look to make more of the plays just because it's like you know it, it he's for 15 or 16 years that's how he's won games and like that's what's just what's going to happen if the Lakers continue to struggle like this I think oh uh, no question that's why I think it'll be really fascinating here for a period of time without Rondo and Lonzo on the court because while I believe Rondo is the guy who should be starting as the team's point guard, I think what, what he brings to the table is more important for the here and now. Let's face it, Lonzo's a better shooter, um, and, and eventually he should turn into a much better shooter as he uh, develops over the course of his career. Whereas, you know, with Rondo on the court, there's really no purpose of, of having him on the court if the ball is not in his hand for him to play uh, to, to create uh, playmate, right? So LeBron can play off the ball. With Lonzo on the court, I don't know that, A, LeBron has developed the trust yet where, where Lonzo could run the offense, but more importantly, Lonzo's a guy that, while he may not be, listen, it's a small sample size so far, he's shooting the ball pretty well, but more importantly, he's a guy that will shoot, right? He, he yep. will take that shot, as opposed to Rondo, you know, you're, you're very rarely at this time of the year going to see him, especially late in games, take shots that he knows others 
are better at, at, at or the team is better if others take it. So I think this dynamic will be interesting here. But I also think it's, it's a, you know, ask Kevin Love about this. It's a situation where Kevin Love got all these shot opportunities, whether it was a, a preseason game, a regular season game, or a playoff game. He'd get all these shot opportunities in the first quarter of games and then look at his splits come the third quarter and especially the fourth quarter. I mean, it is like a roller coaster, how it just drops straight down where Kevin Love just never got involved late in games. Because LeBron, I think, not only likes to get the, the, the confidence level of his teammates up early in games by being that guy who will defer or make the great pass, but I think he also starts to figure out who he can trust. And then ultimately he knows he can trust himself the most down uh, late in, 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 in games, whether it be, you know, a fourth quarter overtime or whatever it may be. Uh, but but I, will, I will say this one thing, get your, your guys' thoughts on this too. While, while you think that ultimately he may have to go all in here because of the lack of talent or the youth or just if this team struggles just enough where making the playoffs may not happen, I'll throw this out at you. What if he does the exact opposite? What if he throws his hands up in the air and says, you know what? Look at this roster around me. The young guys will be good, but they're not ready. And the older guys, they just don't make sense for me. What if LeBron, you know, he's all about the narrative. It's always been all about the narrative. And while I still believe winning is the priority, LeBron's told us in the past, he's told us, if I can't win at all, what's the point of even making the playoffs? Now, I don't believe he actually would not want to make the playoffs. I don't necessarily know he believes that. But, but we're, we're starting to learn from him. There's a certain level of frustration where if he can't win, then, then why exert all of this when he's going to be 34 years old? He's going to be in his 16th year. If this truly is a three-year plan, then why should LeBron try and empty the tank this year and risk the following year and the year after that? I just think he's probably too competitive. I mean, like you're not you're not saying this, but I don't think that I think he's too competitive to just throw up his hands and just give up on the season. I think at some point, if they continue to struggle, then he'll take a more active role. But I also don't know that they're going to continue to struggle. I think Lonzo is going to get a nice audition here to kind of prove that he is a guy that LeBron can trust. And like you said, he shot he shot the ball really well over the first couple games of the season. And I think that's important in the starting lineup. I, I totally get what you're saying about Rondo not really being as useful if he's not if he doesn't have the ball in his hands. But I think like right now, the, the starting lineup just doesn't really have any spacing. And I just uh, th- this whole Lakers team is so weird to watch because they're all fa- like if they can't get on a fast break, they almost can't score. Because there's not a single guy on the court that, like, when they shoot it, you're sitting there thinking it's automatic. And it's just like a bizarre to, and they can't defend very well. It's like, I've, I've honestly, I don't think that I've ever watched a team like this before, at least over the first two games where it's just their success is entirely predicated on whether or not they can beat the other team down the floor. And they're so good at it and so good at playing fast and getting out and running. It feels like yeah, a '90s team. <laughs> it feels like it yeah. feels it feels like the kind of teams that people perceive that played in the '90s. That everything was played in the paint, and everything there was some mid range, but for the most part, the point of basketball back then was to get as close to the hoop as you possibly can, and then shoot it and 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 try to get out and transition in those things. It it's kind of a throwback team. It's kind of fascinating to watch that in and of its own. No, no question, and and that's why I think. Thursday night will be really fascinating for the Lakers who are, you know, first in pace and they're getting up and down the court, taking on the Nuggets who have all of a sudden decided that they want to defend. They're the only team so far in basketball that has not allowed an opponent to score hundred points. That'll be interesting to see how they play the Lakers coming off the second night of a back-to-back on Thursday after playing Phoenix, you know, how, if Denver legitimately is um, going to be this good defensively throughout the course of the year, this may be the first true test to that system that the Lakers are playing because they're trying to maximize the personnel they have. And, and to your point, you know, if, if creating space and the lack of big man rotation means that the Lakers are best served with LeBron at center. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of with that, but it's, it's the, the, the narrative or, or, you know, just the overall thought in this league that there's no more big men in this league. is a bit ridiculous. And I get, it's not the nineties. It's, you know, you're not getting elbows to the chin. You're not, you're not getting knocked around. But still, just look at this upcoming schedule. Like, LeBron, does he want to have to defend LaMarcus Aldridge or, or, or Jakob Pertl? Not Again, I'm not trying to make, you know, any one of these guys out to be, like, the greatest thing ever. But I'm just asking, does, does LeBron want to have to defend them? Does, does LeBron against Phoenix want to have to go up against DeAndre Ayton or Jokic on Thursday? And back to, you know, San Antonio and then Minnesota with either Carl Anthony Towns or Taj Gibson. Again, not that, these, not that LeBron can't do it. But we're early in the season. Does he want to have to go defend those guys when he has shown us time and time again the formula 
for him to be successful with his team is, is building towards something special, pacing himself, especially defensively, so when the postseason rolls around, he could be at his best. That's why I think this year is going to be so fascinating because they may enter the month of April without a secure playoff spot. Now, they ultimately may get there, but the fact that not only, not only LeBron has to play 82 games, but LeBron may have to play 82 games on both sides of the ball, and I wonder how that affects him if they do indeed reach the playoffs. I don't think that he, LeBron's not going to play center, at least not yet. Like I, I asked Luke after the last game when they played him at ostensibly center against the Rockets, and he just basically said that was because P.J. Tucker was in. They were playing really small, so LeBron was right. going to be guarding guarding him and being guarded by him anyway. Like uh, Based on his answer, I did not get the sense that extended LeBron at center minutes are incoming anytime soon. I just think that that's, something, that's like almost a break glass in case of total emergency type thing. And even then, you don't want right. to go to that like very often. You, yeah, you just, yeah for, it's for like five minutes you a raised, game, maybe. Jared, it, 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 you don't you don't want to overtax somebody who and and I think one of the points that you made is is one that is going to ring throughout this season and throughout LeBron's tenure with the Lakers is that this is a multi year project. Magic Johnson said before this last summer that this was getting LeBron was step one, and then the next step is to get the big superstar, and that's when the Lakers will truly be back. So, okay, well then let's see what and, – and I think that's the point of this entire season is it's a, it's a really long audition for parts of the young core to prove can you stick around if – you know, for the, for the duration of, this, of LeBron's tenure. And we'll right. see how that turns Listen, out. I'm, I, I'm not saying that can't work and I'm not saying it won't work. I'm just saying I think the, 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 the response I'm hearing from Laker Nation that I hear from on quite a bit is, is I think – that they don't understand the risk reward in this possible, in this plan. Like you, you, I understand LeBron James is a freaking robot and he doesn't seem to be real, that he's coming off this 15 season at 33 years old, where he probably had his best offensive season ever. I get that. But at some point, LeBron is not going to be LeBron and LeBron is in his 16th season. He's going to be 34 years old. Do you really want to wait until year 17 when he's 35 to bring in that second guy? And here's the other question, too. We're just assuming they can deliver that second guy, right? I get that the Lakers have finally ended their free agent woes by ending LeBron, and he's the greatest free agent, you know, in the last, you know, ever. You know, I guess if you want to consider Shaq because he kind of forced his way there. But, but the point is, you don't know if you're going to get that other guy. Guys, have, you know, the, the, the buzz out there is that guys don't necessarily want to play with LeBron. Is that true? I don't know. But, but now, now you're asking guys to come play with LeBron when he's 35, when he's 36. And are they going to play a role as the second star with a guy who's in the 17th year? Or do they want to be the star? And is LeBron okay with that? I, I just, I think it can happen. And, and quite frankly, uh, you know, Maddie Johnson proved to pull rabbits out of his hat. But I think the risk has to be thrown out there that delaying this process when you have LeBron now is an incredibly high risk proposition. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly don't think I don't think that anything is said. I think it's going to be really interesting to watch how the rest of the season plays out. And just like like this is a weird team and this is a weird situation. And, like you know, we don't, like you said, we don't know if they're going to get that next free agent next summer. I, I think they probably have a pretty good chance of getting somebody. They seem pretty confident and they seem pretty confident about LeBron. So, you know, I think they deserve some level of like faith in their ability to deliver at this point after taking over and then in two years landing LeBron. But yeah, I mean, no, nothing's guaranteed, especially when Golden State is like this kind of juggernaut that's looming over the entire league. But Jared, I, before before we wrap this up, I, I did want to ask you one more question. After we've just had you talk about the Lakers with us for about 20 minutes, <laughs> with all given all the national attention the Lakers are going to be getting this year, are you tired of talking about the Lakers yet? And when do you think you will get there? No, no, not not at all. Because you know, you've got two different um, factors about this. Um, number one, you've got the Lakers, who are a brand that that you know we talked about for 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 all the time. Like the Lakers are a story. They're you know it, it, the Knicks are a different. The Knicks are a, a, a lower level because of the obviously the historic championship history of the Lakers. But the Knicks are a team where too like you talk about them regardless of what's happening. The problem with the Lakers has been they've, they've gone through the worst stretch in Laker history the last five years. So. Like, it's been all negative. Now you add in the other brand, which is LeBron, which is always a topic, right? So now you put the two together, the, the convergence of, of, of LeBron brand and the Laker brand. It's fun. And, 
And, you know, I, I think, you know, our, our numbers show when, when you talk about LeBron, when you talk about the Lakers, people are interested. And it's not just an L.A. thing. It's not just a West Coast thing. Right. There are people all around the country that are fascinated by both these stories, independent of each other. And now that they're together, I, I think it's one that people are really intrigued by. And I think, you know, what, what the fight showed the other night. And, and listen, LeBron had almost nothing to do with the fight other than dragging Chris Paul out of it. But, you know, a fight in the NBA is going to get a lot of attention. But a fight in L.A. with the Lakers is going to get even more attention. A fight in L.A. with the Lakers on a team that has LeBron James is going to dominate the headlines for a week, right? And that's, that's another part of this storyline with the Lakers that I'm so curious to watch over the course of the season is that, sure, so many of these guys have been, you know, talked about in the media, and many of them have been on the Lakers the last couple of years, and they understand that, that it's different than other cities. But now it's even on a different level, and it's like five steps higher than it was before LeBron got there. Because of LeBron, the circus is always in town. And every time you travel, it's going to be even crazier. Like, Beatlemania is going to be nothing compared to what the Lakers are going to endure this season. And LeBron is used to it, but are these other guys used to it? And does that affect the focus, how they are on the court, how they're acting? Like, yeah, sure, there's TMZ and there's paparazzi watching people off the court on the Lakers, but now it's, it's even more intensified, right? So all of these little things that LeBron effect is going to take a huge toll on the team and how they respond to it. Maybe is a huge positive. Maybe they embrace it. Maybe they learn how to deal with it and it's fine, but I just think the storylines are never going to end. And that's why, you know, I love it. You know, uh, I love talking and, and it's easier when they're winning, but there's going to be a lot of talk to, during times of adversity too. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's fun to it's fun to finally get to talk about a Lakers team that like has a chance of being good. The last five years, you had to talk about the Lakers and there was just, well, they're bad. And and what do we say beyond right. them being bad? No, no, no question about it. And, you know, that's right. Like, you know, we, we've had, you know, especially with the Phil Jackson, Carmelo Anthony stuff. I'll bring it back to the Knicks. We, we talked a lot about the Knicks during that time. And, and a lot of the people would, would, you know, would say, like, why are we even addressing this? The Knicks are terrible. They're not relevant. But the fact of the matter is these, these cities and big markets and, and put it this way too, you know, think about how the NBA has, has hit, hit a, an absolute, you know, all time high in popularity, whether we're talking about TV ratings, whether we're talking about social media content and conversation and the amount of attention it gets there. But think about that. The NBA has done that the last several years and, and exclude last year because Philly and Boston started to, to obviously get much more competitive, but essentially without Philly, without New York, without Chicago, without either L.A. team being really relevant the last couple of years. And the fact that these teams are now on the come, what that means for the soaring popularity of the league, it's only going to get greater in the next few years as soon as one or more of these big market teams becomes a serious championship contender. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you, Jared, for for hopping on and giving us your time. Uh, Again, everybody, if you guys are are, are, are want you liked this conversation and, and you enjoyed the direction that it went in. He hosts 10 before tip, 6.30 p.m. Eastern times, 3.30 out here uh, all weeknights. And then he mentioned his Sirius XM show that he hosts as well. Uh, thanks for hopping on, Jared. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you guys got it. It's a lot of fun. Hopefully we'll do it again this season. Absolutely. And many thanks to Jared Greenberg. You can find him on Twitter at Jared S. Greenberg. He uh, does the shows that he that we talked about at the end of that thing, 10 before tip, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time, 3.30 out here on NBA TV. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And, and like he said, hopefully we'll, we'll have another conversation or two with him moving forward. We're going to have a little bit of fun here for the last five minutes or so of the show before we throw it to the rest of the week. Uh, Harrison, you said you have a a very important question that you wanted to hear from me on. Yeah. So I think, I, I think I, I saw this quote from Luke Walton after the game. This is Om Young Misuk of, uh, of ESPN tweeted this out. And so Luke Walton on the last play of the game. So quote, we'll take LeBron going to his left for a step back jumper every time. Yeah, I disagree. So I was gonna, I was gonna just ask you, did Luke take more of his coaching influences from playing with Kobe than we thought? <laughs> I was going to say he might have he might have taken some of the influence from Byron talking about Kobe. Well, also, I think we need to now this really begs the question, does Kobe need to come here and teach LeBron how to win? Because oh, 
or at least Sasha Vujicic because the free throws at the end, yeah, that was rough. Like the the missing the twenty, you know, like the twenty six, twenty five footer going to your left while fading away. Unlike Luke, that is like the one shot that LeBron takes that I'm not confident is going in. And so, like that one, I don't think is an unforgivable sin. You just had to get a shot up there. I think the one, the I mean, missing two free throws is just like. That's, that's rough. I'm not seriously suggesting Sasha Vujicic needs to come in and teach him how to make free throws. But that's, <laughs> no, I, that's I, a rough way to lose a game. I thought, so when Jen and I were watching the end of that game, I told Jen, the one, the only thing I need, I think I need to see here from this play is, LeBron, put your head down and try Show to get to the free team. throw again. Well, just try to get to the free throw line again. Like, you, you've been begging for calls all night. The referees, you would think, have have would might have come around at some point. They started to come around later as the game went along. Like I just thought to myself, just try to get something going to the basket. I, and again, I'm not gonna parse a, the final shot of a game winner in game number three of an 82 game season. But that's what I would have preferred to see there. And even beyond the free throws that I didn't like, missing those two free throws kind of sucks. But the pass that got to Patty Mills. If LeBron had his hands in like anywhere close to a, a ready position, he gets a hand on that and he has a one-on-one going the other way up four versus having the game become a one-point game because the ball got to Patty Mills and he made the three. Yeah, the last two games have really truly been an introduction to the covering LeBron experience on a lot of levels. There was the whole like, you know, you would have had to crowd surf to be able to hear him at his post-game <laughs> press conference. You got to try that next went time. Through. Yeah, that that actually would have been a good strategy. There was literally a dude on a ladder, Anthony. I'm not oh I can't gosh. make this up. So I think I don't know. Did he bring his own ladder? I don't know. We're <laughs> do you think he asked the Lakers, hey, do you have a ladder? <laughs> no, he was a, he's he was a team photographer, so I'm sure it was their ladder, but mm-hmm. it was still a funny visual. And I had multiple people ask me, did that guy really bring his own ladder? And so <laughs> so there was that whole thing. And then there's been the my mentions side of it, where there, there are so many people that 15, 16, we're in year 16 of LeBron, and they are convinced that he is actually not a good player, that he has convinced all of us that he, that he is good and that he is not, and that he's been coddled and whatever, and it's been insane. I didn't think that these people actually existed, but there are people that are talking about LeBron lacking the clutch gene, and they're doing it in a serious manner, and it's just – it's been an interesting experience. I uh, I am really good with burner accounts. Is is the point of this one? <laughs> so Skip Bayless, I guess. Yeah, just me and Skip. We yeah. have fifty accounts between the two of us. <laughs> do you think that the mural defacers were just like? Do you think that they all got together and threw a party tonight? They're like, you guys, we did it. We were right. LeBron isn't the king of L.A. <laughs> they lost Game Three. No, I was I was gonna go in a different direction when you talked about mural defacers. Like, how do you think Skip Bayless got all this all that paint out of his clothes? Oh God! <laughs> and that was how this podcast got thrown, sent away for libel. It was a nice run, guys. Two games. It was, it was made, fun. We made it two shows. We made it two shows, but at least we finally got on iTunes. So yeah, it's true. That's good. All right, that'll do it then for this episode of the Lake Show. This has been fun. Uh, try to have fun. Like, it that sucked, obviously, but try to laugh about it a little bit if you can. Just a little, little hangman's humor. It goes yeah. a long way. Yeah, I mean, that's what we were doing this entire show. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you next Tuesday.